Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James Comment il vécu Comment il est mort Ça vous a plu, hein Vous en demandez encore Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie 
Brooklyn. This is Crime Talk BK. Thank you for joining us uh, this Saturday morning. Um, we have some, we're continuing with uh, things that freak us out is our theme <laughs> this month. Uh, I am here with my wonderful co-host, Megan Duffy, and she's done a great job of digging up some stuff for us to talk about. Good morning, lovelies. Um, and let me see. I have a couple of Radio Free Brooklyn announcements for you guys, and then we will get on to news of the week. Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to announce that we will be launching an after-school program for local teens in 2019 to learn how to be badass reporters and take down Donald Trump. Whoops, I didn't say that. <laughs> anyway, we are um, apolitical at Radio Free Brooklyn, except that's Probably not true. I feel like community radio, you have like an assumption that everyone is kind of like liberal anarchist. I don't know if you can be apolitical anymore. I don't I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Like we're in too deep. <laughs> but we're now trying to corrupt the local youth and teach them a little bit about radio and how amazing it is and local reporting and why their voice matters. And uh, we got a really awesome grant from the city, but we still need your help. Uh, so please donate and learn more about what we're trying to do. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash after school. Again, that is RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash after school. Don't you want your kid to work at the Washington Post? <laughs> All right. And now on to uh, news of the week. Uh, first up, this is something from last week, but I just thought it was very important for us to uh, share this with you guys. Uh, but Brooklyn's surrogate co- court has opened a pro se clinic uh, to help people who are representing themselves in their own legal cases. Uh, so pro se basically means that instead of hiring a lawyer, you're going to represent yourself in court. It is generally seen as a risky move, um, yet it is still one that is somewhat popular. There are 2 million pro se cases currently in the New York state court system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. I get the appeal. Like, I think that it can be very overwhelming and maybe you just don't trust the lawyer that you think that you would be given. Um, But, uh, you know, like the state's doing everything that they can to make sure that you can represent yourself well and that it won't just be a dumpster fire. And so uh, the surrogate court has opened a help center uh, and it's located on the second floor of the Surrey Court building in downtown Brooklyn, room 231. They have computers there. They have forms that you can fill out. And they have court staff on hand uh, to make sure that you're doing everything that you need to do. And uh, I just thought this was, like, really exciting and cool. Like, the city definitely doesn't have to have to do that. No, they don't. Um, I, you know, I wish they'd open these centers in civil court, quite frankly, because we do come up in my job. I come up with, against a lot of pro se litigants. Um, but helping people um, with the probate and estates and adoption proceedings is actually really important. And I think those are the more likely candidates for uh, representing themselves generally. Um, attorneys are really expensive, and I think that's one of the main inhibitors for a lot of these people. Yeah. And then, um, oh, yeah, so just 
Congratulations, Brooklyn Surrogate Court, and congratulations, Brooklyn. Very progressive. <laughs> On Monday, uh, police announced arrest of Sleazeball Number 1. He is a MTA bus driver who was arrested for exposing himself to two young girls in Brooklyn. One it was 14, and the other was 11. Oh, it makes your skin crawl. Yeah, so does his facial hair. Um <laughs> Do you want to describe how he looks for... He's, he's got that sort of 90s parted down the middle bowl cut uh, hanging out at the peach pit and his facial hair is uh, somewhat of a... It's a goatee sans the stash. Uh, and he's just... He's got these beady little eyes and he's... He, I, he just... He just gives me the willies. He creeps me out. And uh, I mean, he... He did it old school, driving a gray minivan, trying to lure these girls into his car. Um, and he's only 28, which, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless against this. This guy is a total loser. Uh, so uh, basically, he, his name is Matthew Wolfhart. Again, everything's alleged until he's been prosecuted. But I mean, that's mm. fair. Um, so he, uh, was driving a minivan around Bay Ridge where he allegedly stopped to ask for directions from a girl. And then I guess he whipped it out. Yep. Again, this girl is 14. Didn't he grab her phone? Isn't that what was reported? That he grabbed one, the phone? The details I got was pretty sparse. So I'm sure that anything else you've done, dug up is... Uh, oh, yeah, he's being also being charged with grand larceny because in one of the incidents, he grabbed a victim's phone. Do you think he was trying to, like, kidnap them or? I, this That's what the, the vibe that I'm getting, like, real pedophile, not just a perv exposing himself, but like he was trying to do some serious damage. Yeah, and he did the same thing a couple days later to an 11-year-old and... Uh, he's an MTA bus driver. He was wearing parts of his uniform during both incidents. Um, so he clearly has the brains. Yeah. Well, the MTA said in a statement that he was a probationary employee and that he's been taken out of service like an old bus. Oh, (laughs) that's pretty clever. (laughs) Like an old bus. I Um, just, uh, like I, we put such faith. In our in uh, strangers in New York, like I took a lift to get to the studio this morning. So did I? And you always are kind of like, oh man, like when you hear these stories. I know you. You know it's nine thirty in the morning. What's going to happen, right? You never know. Watch out for creepers. I know stranger danger. Nineties flashback. <laughs> Thursday. Uh, Brooklyn prosecutors announced uh, that they uh, cannot fight an acquittal of an Orthodox Jewish man accused of assaulting a gay black man. And uh, so in general, when prosecutors kind of give up on a case, um, I don't usually consider it to be newsworthy. Uh, but there seems to be like a lot of ambiguity going on in this case and just like a lot of it hits on like a lot of things that I think that we've talked about on the show before and we'll probably talk about in the future. Um, so basically, um, 
me see. Uh, Taj Patterson was walking around in Williamsburg. Um, again, he's a gay black man. And uh, he got into some sort of, uh, like, fight between with these uh, five guys, um, including Mayor Herskovich. They were part of the um, Orthodox patrol, weren't they? Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't see too much information about what originally, like, set off this string of events. If it was, um, like, a more of a random act or if there was, like, some provocation. Uh, but Taj got the shit beaten out of him. He lost, and, yeah, he lost his eye. He's going to be blind in his eye. Yeah. The rest of his life. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's, like, very serious um, but then, so of course, you know, you have like this, like gay black man who is being attacked and, um, that's always caused concern. There's a lot of like history, um, in, especially in like gay men being targeted. Uh, but then also, uh, the court case seemed kind of hinky, uh, because out of the five people arrested, the charges really only stuck on one person. Throughout the trial, or by the time they got to trial, yeah, and then he his case was actually overturned because of quote botched scientific evidence, and so he appealed successfully, and so um, I was just really like reading up today, uh, where um, of course this man who's been attacked is very upset over this. <clears throat> he feels like he can't be brought to justice. Um, but then at the same time, it really does sound like there were some procedural issues. Yeah. Um, well, it seems to me that, you know, what I've been reading is that the second department, the appeals court, tossed it out entirely and overturned the conviction to where um, prosecutors can't appeal the decision at all. Like they basically declared him innocent in a, in a, a very unusual move. Um, I don't... Oh, whereas usually they would just say go to a retrial yeah, or something? Yeah, they'd usually say retry. Um, but this is uh, very uncommon to toss out a conviction on the facts for an appeal, appellate division case. So um, I think that's why this is such big news. Uh, you know. We should maybe look into this more for a future episode. Um, like, again... Um, when we do these uh, news of the weeks, it's really just like snapshots and headlines that we're paying attention to. And um, we unfortunately don't have the time to do a deep dive, but it does sound like there's more going on to this. Yeah, I think we should put this on the sidelines. Plus, he's got a civil suit pending against, um, Taj has a civil suit pending against uh, the city, it appears. <clears throat> What's the civil suit exactly? Um, like just not taking the case seriously? Uh, allegedly stalling the investigation into his beating, and still, and that's still pending in federal court in Brooklyn. Jeez. Yeah. Federal court means on pacer. <laughs> it is. And then also on Thursday, uh, the NYPD arrested Jeffrey, um, aka Bean Young. 
uh, following a violent clash between the alt-right group Proud Boys and protesters. Um, and this was, uh, I think that the the clash was either much earlier this week or even last week, right? And um, I think it was early this week. There was some GOP meeting. Yeah, and right? Gavin McInnes was um, asked to talk. He's one of the founders of Vice, also the founder of Proud Boys, which for those who don't know is this like alt right i don't know like fuck boy group yeah white nationalist i don't know i saw the picture of the guy that got arrested and he uh, he's you know he's got a frightfully crazy hair and beard and he's wearing a big old pair of overalls and with this proud boy tattoo down the front of his arm so it's just like <laughs> It's like really stereotypical. Have you seen those shirts they wear? Mm-mm. So there's these black polo shirts that have yellow piping, and it's like the Proud Boy shirt. Oh, God. I know. They have uniforms. Oh, it's a little geez. Orwellian. Yeah. Uh, but I was sitting next to a guy wearing that shirt on the L train once. Did he know that he was? I couldn't tell. He looked maybe like the type that might join. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I didn't say anything, but I was, like, throwing shade. <laughs> like, don't wear that. Oh, Lord. Uh, but there's actually been a lot of controversy, controversy over this protest because pretty immediately they arrested. So, let's set the scene. There's, like, group of Proud, Go- Proud Boys, group of protesters. Um, were, were they... Were they actually Antifa protesters or were they... Honestly, rep- it's hard to tell. Yeah. Um, like, Antifa means a very specific thing and a lot of people are like, oh, they're against the alt-right, therefore they must be. And I'm like, okay, fine, yeah. okay. Um, uh, but, yeah, there was uh, basically like a, a bunch of Proud Boys circled these uh, protesters and just like really beat them up. But um, the three protesters were arrested first. Or, um, oh no, police are still looking for three protesters. A couple of the protesters were arrested mm-hmm. pretty immediately. Okay. And then the NYPD got a bunch of backlash uh, because uh, they didn't really arrest any of the Proud Boy members, even though the Proud Boys were the ones that were outnumbering the other guys in this fight. Well, now I guess they are starting to make arrests, which is great. Um, you do wonder if this would have happened at all without public pressure. Yeah, that's true. Well, do do we know what started the scuffle? Was it because they couldn't control themselves because people use hard words, big words? Um, were, Were they personally offended by... What these protesters were saying, so they yeah, had to resort I think to the violence. Snowflakes got a little upset. Yeah, well, it sounds like there might have been sensitive some boys. pushing, a little bit of shoving. I mean, that's how these protests go, though. Like Proud Boys really do. It's very punchable faces, and yeah. so it sounds like things are probably escalating from both sides, from what I read. Okay, and then like both sides are declaring that the other one oh, of course threw the first punch of course um i personally would imagine that the protesters were not super calm but that said um you have a small group of protesters and a large group of the proud boys and in these situations i kind of err on the side of the person with less numbers 
Well, yeah. I mean, regardless, no one, whoever did, violence, you're not doing anybody any favors by, you know, whipping out your fists. It's not the way to, it's not the way to handle any of this. And you're just adding to the bigger problem that we're living in right now. Well, at least they are starting to make what I would consider to be proper arrests. I was a little, like, disheartened that they weren't even really looking into the Proud Boys initially. Yeah. Um, But the article that I'm working off of says that um, they're still looking for eight other Proud Boy members and three protesters who were involved in the clash, presumably, to also make arrests. Okay. We should follow that one, too. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't go to that one because it was on my radar. Like, I heard about it. Um, Gavin McInnes is a real shithead, too. <laughs> I don't like him. <clears throat> like, he, I think, really contributed to a lot of the toxic culture advice. Mm. I and, a, yeah, I have a friend that works there, but he started working there, I think, after McInnes left. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime, like, I see his name go across my news feed, I'm always like, oh, my, what now? Tell me. <laughs> Tell me he died in a plane crash. <laughs> And then just um, kidding. I don't want bodily harm to come to anybody. Really? Maybe he could just like move to an island by himself for the next 30 years. Could we maybe we could just force him to do that? If only. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now for my favorite piece of news of the week, which is that um, New York's attorney general, Barbara Underwood, is looking into movie pass. Uh, for uh, defrauding investors, <laughs> which makes me so happy. Oh, this is according to CNBC. Okay, why does this make me so happy? Because MoviePass is so clearly really ill-advised, if not actually a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those who don't know, MoviePass is basically a subscription service for movie tickets where you pay $10 a month and you get to see a movie a day Every day is like you you can do that. Like that's the op, the most that you can use it. And um, you like show up to the movie theater with your movie pass card um, the day of the movie. And they'll just give you a ticket for like whatever you want. Ten dollars a month. Movie tickets go for like fifteen dollars. Yeah. Per. This doesn't it, this is not adding up in my head. I don't know anything about it until you mentioned it earlier. So I'm sitting here thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's too good to be true, right? Like, why? <laughs> and, okay, so I have some friends who are real movie buffs, and they go to, they use their movie pass, like, two or three times a week. Worth it. Yeah, it's really, yeah, like, if you just go to one movie a week, it, like, more than pays for itself. hmm And so people are, like, loving this thing. And, I mean, I don't really know how they ever intended on making money, uh, of course, uh, <clears throat> I don't think that businesses should be run this way. But also, I can't imagine any investor who actually looked into their business model was like, oh, yeah, this sounds solid. <laughs> you mean legitimate business people? Y- yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, what pe- are these investors doing? As, I don't know. Maybe there's just a bunch of bros sitting around the table smoking a joint. You know, dude, it's a good idea. I like movies. <laughs> Weird. 
but anyway, like, I just couldn't stop laughing when I read about this. I'd like to think more purely that they're not trying to, like, be skeevy and that they just got in over their head and realized that they didn't actually have a plan after they'd launched, which I think does sometimes happen with these tech startups. I think, yeah, I think maybe they had, they started out with good intentions and then they just turned skeevy to try to keep it afloat. But it's definitely like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, although there are plenty of more legitimate movie subscription services out there. I think like AMC has one. <clears throat> I think it's more like $30 a month. That's still cheaper if you see a movie a see week. Like two or three movies a month. Yeah. It still pays for itself. Yeah. Um, and actually, Movie Pass still exists in theory. Um, although, like, they only now allow for like two theaters in Manhattan and only on like Tuesday through Thursday. And are they taking new subscriptions? Uh, I'm sure that if you threw enough money at them, they would take your money. I'm going to investigate when we're done. <laughs> Have I converted you to Movie Pass now? Yeah, well, no, because I probably won't go. <laughs> I, I don't like movie theaters. Why? Uh, ever since the New York bed bone epidemic, I um, I stay home. <laughs> That's so fair. Like, I remember I moved here. Oh, I think I was sitting on a bus because they have those that fabric covering mm-hmm. on the seats. And I'd heard about bed bugs on the subway. And I remember looking down at my chair and just being like, oh, my. Yeah. I didn't sit down or stand next to any. I would. I just... For months, I was just, like isolating myself against the rest of the world. It's like you're not. I'm not. This is not going to happen at my house. You just have to like have like this willful ignorance that bed bugs <laughs> don't exist. I can't. This is why I don't like Broadway. I cannot get rid of. I cannot do the suspension of disbelief. I can't. <laughs> so I don't like musicals. This is, it's just yeah. I can't do that. Um. Well, that's the news of the week. <laughs> Ending on a positive note with bed bugs. (laughs) Um, So do you want to tell me a little bit about your, this like wonderful, weird, creepy thing that you've been looking into? Well, I mean, it's a a huge topic. So we're just going to start out historically with the... Well, first off, what is the topic? The topic is the Kings County Lunatic Asylum. Oh my. Which has a a myriad of names over the years. It started out as Flatbush uh, Lunatic Asylum for the Insane, which seems redundant, um, in 1844, and it was privately run. And then um, it turned into Kings County Lunatic Asylum, and it it became a sort of farm community where the, the, they called them inmates too, um, would... Um, you know, it was the idea of rest and relaxation. I don't know how farming relates to that, but maybe it's just the fresh air. They would do all the farming, grow their own food, and they would clean the hospital, and they do the laundry, and they would, you know, do all the sewing and create, make their own mattresses. Like this doesn't sound like rest and relaxation to me, but uh, back in maybe it is back in 1885. I don't know. Um, well, I think that they were like used to hard work and. Short, miserable lives back then. Yeah. 
living in the darkness. When? No, uh, where where was this? This was um, it's, the original hospital was on Flatbush Avenue, um, but they moved it closer to the border of um, in in Kings County, closer to the border of Suffolk County. As it grew, it got you know it was like. 800 and some acres at one point. So we're kind of talking about where like Brooklyn's seen up against Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fun fact. This is where the term funny farm comes from. Funny farm? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's an old, uh, my mom used to say that to me when I was growing up. That I'm just, just blew I'm my mind. You to the funny farm. Huh? That just blew my mind. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was known as the psych center beginning in 1885. Um, and it was um, created to relieve the enormous overcrowding in Manhattan hospitals. Um, but it also, it wasn't just for the criminally insane. It was for the feeble-minded. It was for women with hysteria. It was, you Those know. roving uteruses will really get you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. You know, put them out in the farm. We'll, you know, <laughs> get rid of the hysteria. Um, so... Yeah, so it was created to uh, relieve the overcrowding, and they um, also thought if we could give these crazies some skills, like agrarian skills or sewing skills or whatever, it would help them to become less mad, I guess. That's the theory behind it. Um, And it had two sister hospitals. One was Pilgrim Psych, which was just down the road, which actually... Is still open. Um, and then there was Central Islip. These were the three farming hospitals. Um, so basically, you just have like <clears throat> summer camp, but for people with severe mental health um, disabil- disorders that are not being treated. Right. Nailed it. it. You got it. Um, okay. So let's see. Um, for the first 10 years, it was officially called Kings County Asylum. And then it, uh, as it grew, it turned into Kings Park Hospital. And that's because Kings Park was the biggest town near it and the name of the Long Island Railroad train stop that they had. So they, and then they built their own train stop for, to uh, receive the lunatics, I guess is what they would do. Um so it, uh, let's see where I'm at. Um, it passed into state hands. It was privately run, so it passed into state hands in 1895. Um, and that's when the state started taking notice of um, how, because uh, there was a lot of corruption in the private ownership of these hospitals, and um, the conditions were really bad. Not that the conditions actually improved under the state either, but... Were you able to find any uh, specific examples, any Nellie Bly reporting um, going into this oh, one? Yeah, well, yes. So there is there are some reports. I went to the Library of Congress and I dug up a lot of stories about... Um, there was one woman who called uh, the newspaper and said that her, she had heard that an oh, old woman had died out there and that the doctors were... Laughing and messing around with her corpse and like putting cigarettes in her mouth and saying, like, it's all better now, darling. <laughs> yeah. A little tone deaf. Little tone deaf. Um, I'll get to the, 
Uh, there's an there's a bunch of escapees that I'll get to in a minute. Um, the other fun fact is that uh, American Horror Story Asylum is based on Kings County Lunatic Asylum from the 50s when it was at its max capacity of around 9,500 people. Yeah, 9,500 people at one facility. Like an entire town. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't include the staff. Yeah, of 650, I think it was. Feel really bad for the staff. Yeah. I was uh, just asking I, for trouble. Yeah, I feel bad for everybody involved. Um, so, I mean, they just they expanded into like their own city. They were just completely self-sufficient at some point. Um, and then in the 50s, the, the rest and relaxation farming kind of went by the wayside. And that's when we get our more invasive types of treatments like electroshock and lobotomies and all kinds of other things. Fun things like that. And then also Thorazine. So they're basically just zonking everybody out. And, you know, it's like 10 to a room. Um, so now we're in like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest stage of yeah. the institution. Yes. Nurse Ratchet, for sure. Yep. With um, their 9,500. One of my favorite books of all time. I don't know what that says about me. Uh, yeah. So then, um, and, they can, and they continue to expand. So... Here we are. We're in the 80s. We're overcrowded. We're just, we're lobotomizing. We're electroshocking and we're overdrugging in an overcrowded hospital. Um, and it just became unsustainable. So they started shutting down facilities. And then um, they finally, this, this whole place finally shut down in the 90s. Um, and the whole place is now abandoned. Um, which you, can you visit it um or is it you, like knocked down you're not it's not knocked down you're not supposed to visit it but you know people do um and i i guess there's a there's probably a good uh squatters camp homeless camp out there considering it's 700 800 acres of land that the state owns now mm-hmm so one of my favorite stories, though, from the old timey days is in 1890, there was an escapee named, his last name was Doherty, but he had three or four other aliases. And he escaped by jimmying the bars out of his window, which, you know, like that, you'd think he was just run away from the farm instead, but nope. Uh, so he got, he... He's on the lamb for a couple of weeks and then he ends up returning to the hospital fully armed and dangerous with a couple of pistols and he kills the warden and he was intending to kill the entire staff um, and es- escape. But they ended up uh, locking him down and he was rearrested and sent back to the same hospital. Cool. Yeah. Wow. So he like escaped and then returned. Yeah, to to exact revenge on his captors. I mean, I can understand the wanting revenge part, but I figured if you've escaped, you would. Uh, you right, but that is it is a lunatic asylum. I mean, <laughs> that's 
<laughs> I love that phrase. I wish we'd bring it back. Lunatic Asylum. Uh -huh. It does have a certain ring to it. I know. Um, yeah. And then there's ghost stories that are attributed to this place. That even back in 1890s, the nurses said that there were ghosts uh, rattling the furniture at night. And they'd see like floating lights and that certain ghosts would pull their hair. So we should spend the night there. We should. We can do a crime talk from abroad. Mm -hmm. Bring our recording and, equipment and camp out overnight. And, yeah, sure. Um, and so, but they so to remedy the ghosts that the nurses saw, the um, later murdered warden hired security guards to roam the halls at night. Seems. Were they effective? Did it scare the ghosts? Um, yeah, I don't know. There was no reports of it scaring the ghosts. But that does, I mean, you know, it is the 1890s. Nothing makes any sense in today's. What was know. it? I was reading this one. Um, I was doing some preliminary research about, in general, like psychiatric care in New York. <clears throat> and I found one psychiatric hospital that in the past 50 years... Uh, they had had some overcrowding problems and issues with staff and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they just hired a pastor, which I understand, you know, sure. like... Can't hurt. Religious needs should be taken care of. Uh, but apparently he was, like, billing them for exorcisms. Oh, my God. I was just like, well, that is an interesting thing for, like... Center of Medicaid Services to figure out in the billing. Well, as a former Catholic, can a regular pastor actually perform an exorcist? I think, and I don't think they can legitimately. I think that's false billing <laughs> on another level entirely. Yeah, mail fraud. Oh boy. But yeah, I mean, I just don't think that people knew how to handle these folks i still don't think they do because i mean we're you know now we're just using our prison system to deal with it mm -hmm. we still we have two i think we still have two hospitals for what they consider criminally insane we don't use that term anymore obviously but mm -hmm. um i think we have two well they would be called a like a fr forensic unit mm -hmm. um <clears throat> yeah those must be just very miserable places because not only do you get like charged with your crime, but when you're found um, mentally incompetent, mm -hmm. uh, they kind of can hold you indefinitely. Yeah, they can. And it's like a pretty big issue. And I know that um, there's like a lot of civil rights groups that watch those cases very carefully because I'd imagine it would be quite easy to get lost in the system, especially if the unit that you're in doesn't have very good treatment for you and you're just kind of in limbo it's probably understaffed you know um a lot of these people's families don't know how to handle it either so they don't they just tuck them away and don't have to think about it anymore um there's a lot of factors that would go into something like that yeah i couldn't i mean it's everybody's worst nightmare isn't it i mean that's why they made that asylum show like you just get locked up and you're never getting out yeah, well, and especially I thought something that they did for um, American Horror Story Asylum is they really showed some of the reasons why people would end up there. Mm -hmm. So it's like being gay. Yep. You know, your husband wants to divorce you. Mm -hmm. You know. Yay 50s. Yay 50s. And being a woman. 
And uh, were there, did you find any other fun facts or stories? Um, I did, but I'm blanking because I didn't put them in my notes. Um, you have a fun story. Oh, yes, I do. <clears throat> um, so uh, when I was in grad school, um, I went to grad school for journalism. And my final project was actually an investigative piece into the current state of mental health care run by New York City. And, you know, it the we're like wrapping up the project and needed to blow off a little bit of steam. And we were also hoping to like take some photos for the website that we were building out to yeah. host our story. And so um, it was my boyfriend at the time. He was also working on the project with me, which I don't advise doing your capstone with someone you're dating, but that's fine. <laughs> we stayed together through it. Um, That's an achievement. And then um, one of our other friends. And uh, so we're like, guys, let's go to this um, psychiatric hospital that um, was like still partially functioning, but its heyday was in kind of like the Nurse Pratchett era. And they shrunk down their campus to maybe like a quarter of the buildings are now functional. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were some, like, pretty bad abuses back in the day. So we get the idea to go and, like, sneak in and take photos and do urban exploring, whatever. And um, so we get there, and it is, like, 1 in the afternoon. It's sunny. uh, And it's also just a little bit creepier than I expected. And so I'm I'm like, (laughs) I know, right? Just abandoned insane asylum, completely normal. Uh, so I start getting a little bit uncomfortable and decide that I'm just going to take photos of the outside of the buildings. And then um, Mike and um, our friend is like, no, we can do this. And they like somehow sneak into one of the buildings, mm-hmm. one of the wings. And it's huge. It's like this giant hospital, really. Yeah. And so uh, I'm like, all right, goodbye. I'm never seeing them again. <laughs> and then. As I'm walking around, I notice this car has been like circling the section that we're in. Oh dear. And we're in the area that is the furthest from the working hospital. Uh-huh. It's like a 10 minute walk to where the offices are. Okay. And so it's not somewhere that you're expecting people to be. Like you have to want to be in this area right. to get there. And it was just so creepy. How, how, tall is this building um this may be about like four or five floors okay just trying to get a visual. and um long, yeah, long like big like a big yeah wing. it um it's kind of like these uh v-shaped wings okay yep okay. and they have a bunch of those buildings kind of scattered about mm-hmm. and so we were just like in front of one uh and they had like a circular driveway with this big lawn and i was like i don't know like laying in the lawn enjoying the sunshine waiting for them to I don't know, finish their hooliganry. <laughs> and, uh, but this car starts driving up that circular <coughs> driveway. And as they pass me, they like slow down. Oh, that's even creepier. And then I'm like, all right, well, I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe it's staff, but they haven't told me to leave. But then they circle around and they do it again. And they're just kind of like sitting there, like staring at me. Uh. And, it's, and I kind of see through the window and it's like these two guys who like do not look like their staff. Right. 
They're in like this dark truck. It's right. not like the little golf cart things that are in the other part of the area. I'm like, oh my God. Are you completely creeped out at this point? Yes. Yeah. And they like, at one point, like got out of the car and started like walking towards me. And I just like booked it because there's no one around to help me. Oh. And I just like run towards where um this is like my the friend beginning of every horror movie. I know. I hadn't started listening to my favorite murder yet, so I didn't know how to <laughs> stay, stay sexy. sexy. But um I was like terrified and like running towards the building and I had to like crawl under this fence to get inside uh. and I'm like careening through these like dark empty hallways filled with abandoned medical equipment like screaming oh my god um so what i actually think what happened was was that there's like um evidence of a homeless encampment Mm -hmm. no one was there in that building when we were there uh but i kind of wondered if maybe those guys were like drug dealers or something oh right um because it's like, again, like... Dropping off their daily supply? Yeah, like, they were over there because they spotted us. Like, they were over there for some other reason, and then we're like, what have you. Mm-hmm. But, like, there was no reason for staff to be there. The car was, like, didn't have any sort of indication that it was with the hospital. I was not a happy camper. I uh, I would have been terrified. I would have been screaming. But you're, more, you're braver than I am. I wouldn't have even gone there. But it was just funny, though, because, um, like, I find the two guys, and they're like, oh, isn't this so cool? And I'm, like, hyperventilating in the corner, like, clutching my iPhone flashlight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. There was a room. The only thing in the room was an abandoned wheelchair, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's hysterical. So that was... Um, the time I broke into an abandoned psychiatric hospital. Don't try it at home. Try it at home, but don't try it at home. Um. <clears throat> yeah. So urban exploring for the win. Yeah. Definitely illegal. Don't do what I did. Um. So should we talk a little bit more about the um, modern issues with? Yeah. With um. We can definitely asyl- do that. Asylums. Actually, psych wards is that what we call them now? Psychiatric hospitals psychiatric. or like behavioral hospitals. Behavior. Well, it's what's the PC? Ter- yeah, I, I guess- think psychiatric hospitals is fine. Okay, uh, probably not insane asylum. <laughs> I know, but I like it. Um, so yeah, so we um, there's only uh, of all the farming ones, there, there's only one left out here. As Pilgrim has a couple buildings operating. That's my understanding. I could be totally wrong. Um, and then uh, there's, uh, you know, there's obviously the bunch in Manhattan that are the famous Bellevue, and um, there's a couple of uh, ones for the criminals, the real forensic hospitals upstate because they don't want to keep mm-hmm. those. Partic- they have units in the city, but they don't have an actual hospital. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to keep that in the city. For fear of escapes, I guess. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, it's like a prison. It's a prison. So, yeah, I mean, of course, it would be yeah. somewhere where they have, like, the land of the security. Mm-hmm. Donna Mora was one of more, the more famous ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to add? I do. Okay. Um, I'd like to talk to us today about Kendra's Law. Okay. Tell me about uh, it. And uh, so... 
uh, Kendra's law is um, a law that basically forces uh, potentially violent um, people who are struggling with mental illness to get treatment. Mm -hmm. And it is through, it's called assisted outpatient treatment. And the idea is, is that um, you go to a hospital while you're in a crisis, uh, but then the outpatient treatment is to actually truly stabilize you and find solutions. And uh, there's been some huge issues because since so many of these psychiatric hospitals have shrunk or just straight up closed down, uh, there just aren't very many beds anymore. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out a system that really relies on healing people within their communities, which is admirable and like what you should do. Like um, if you're like struggling with a mental health issue, um, <clears throat> you respond better uh, when you're like in your community. Yeah, when you're, when you're supported by people that know you, that are you're in familiar ground, you're in familiar territory. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, so Kendra's Law is one of the laws that has really helped um, cement uh, this system that we currently have, unfortunately has a very tragic background. Uh, in 1999, Andrew Goldstein um, is a uh, schizophrenic with a history of violence. And he'd gone off his meds and he pushed a woman named Kendra Webdale onto the tracks at the 23rd Street end station oh, no. as the train was coming and she died. Oh, no. That's, I think, probably every New Yorker's worst nightmare as they're standing on the yellow line waiting for the subway to come. No, stay away from the yellow line. Stay away from the yes. It's I mean it happened. Something very similar happened a few years ago at the Forty Ninth Street R station. It's really tragic. Mm -hmm. And um, so, basically, um, while they investigated, they realized um, that Andrew Goldstein had been thoroughly let down by the mental health system. That he should have been more heavily monitored he should have been like in some sort of program where there's accountability for him to take his meds did he just get out of a facility it's unclear uh but uh let me see he uh so by the time he uh killed he killed uh kendra he'd been hospitalized 13 times oh my goodness and he had um, attacked um, at least a dozen people. Oh, dear. Um, and again, he, usually these attacks are like while he is in like the hospital or something. But you have someone with a history of increasingly violent behavior. While he's in a facility. Um, just like all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but actually, like a lot of times when people get hurt by um, the mentally ill, it is like psychiatrists, nurses, social workers. Right. Um, because, again, of course, like, they're under stress yeah. in these hospitals. I'm also going to say that, like, most schizophrenic people are not violent. I'm just going to put that out there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, sometimes things do happen. And so, um, like, of course, the news latches on to this. And um, Andrew is found... a. Uh, mentally incompetent to stand trial and so he's placed in 
some of these facilities, like what you're talking about, like a forensic hospital, um, there was like a, a ward inside of a prison that he was in for um, like criminally violent people struggling with mental health issues. And um, it's just a really tragic because every time he'd go to the hospital, he would do something violent. And every time the nurses and the doctors were like, well, we've got to release you now and please Thanks. just take your meds, I guess. Thanks for coming. And they would have send a nice him. Day. I know, right? <laughs> but they just couldn't do more. Yeah. And yes. when I'm... he and his family did try to get him more help, um, he had troubles getting beds. Uh, he had like some like tenuous housing situations. Um, and but there's like a long waiting list and mm-hmm. he was at the bottom. And so there wasn't any help that the city really gave him. So they just put him in prison. I mean, that's that, that right? Yeah, that's, basically. Yeah, so he, but it culminated him and him killing this girl. Yeah. And so then um, after her death, um, there was this real push to reform mental health treatment for people like Andrew because this was completely preventable. Mm-hmm. And Kendra's family were also like, we want Andrew to heal. We want him to get better. This is preventable. We don't blame him for this. Wow. Yeah. That's really admirable of them. And they've been a strong supporter of this law as well. And so involuntary outpatient treatment um, through Kendra's law uh, basically just bumps you up in the line. So you have to be over 18. You have to be non-compliant with your treatment plan. So mm-hmm. say not taking your medication. You have to like benefit from it. Um, like it, like you have to be like the right fit for the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is also has to be unlikely it has to be likely that without the program, you would be unsafe. Okay. Like, those are the main stipulations. And, you know, it's actually helped quite a few people. Uh, Andrew is also really strongly supportive of it. And he's actually, I think, currently going through it now because he just got released um, in, I think, September. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, let me see. More than 16,000 New Yorkers have passed through the assisted outpatient treatment program under Kendra's law. Wow. And there are around 3,000 New Yorkers who are currently living under uh, the court order. Okay. That's a, that's a lot. And, I didn't um, realize there was that many. Yeah. It's like a little controversial, though, because, of course, you have civil rights groups that are very concerned about civil liberties of uh, forcing people into treatment, uh, but actually has a pretty good success rate uh, because uh, oh my goodness, I pressed the wrong button. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in the um, when you go see a play and they ding the bell to like show you it's time to <laughs> wrap it up, kid. Um, Jeopardy music. Mm-hmm. But no, it's been really successful because people are actually being connected with these services and you're not seeing these, um, as many of these like really like violent yeah. crimes happening. And then when they do happen, there's like a system set up for people to actually get help and not just be like released, <laughs> released back into the crowds. Released into the wild. Well, I hope it stays as good as it looks on paper. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's always issues. Yeah. But it's a better one than what they had. Well, they didn't have anything, right? So, 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just keeps people like off the streets too, right? Mm-hmm. Because like a lot of people with mental health issues are homeless. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think that that is the end of another show. Is that our day today? That's our day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, come back next week. We still have, uh, I think, like one or two more, one more spooky episode before October wraps up. I believe so, yeah. And now for Bonnie and Clyde by Georgie Fame and the Blue Flame. can tell you people they were the devil's children. Bonnie and Clyde began their evil doing one lazy afternoon down Savannah Way. They robbed a store and hightailed out of that town. Got clean away in a stolen car. their reputation and made the graduation into the banking business weeks for the sky sweet talking pride would holler as Bonnie loaded dollars in the two-lap back now one brave man he tried to take them alone they left him lying in a pool of blood and laughed about it Enemy number one Running and hiding from every American lawman's gun They used to laugh about Get her, get her, get her, get her. Get her. Get her. Get her.